Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. message, this series is about the waiting room, and today's message is entitled Green Rooms, Locker Rooms, and Lobbies. Now, we have a small group of us today, and so I was going to do some things where I have you break out your cell phone and we were going to do like the instant text messaging, but we don't need to go through that. It would just take too much time. So here's the thing, and, and, and you know, don't be shy. When you think of a waiting room, Just throw some words out that that pop into your head. So when I say waiting room, what popped in your head? Waiting room. Cold, doctor's office. Anyone else? Out of control kids. Anyone else? Boring. All right. Outdated magazines. That's that's one I would say. Long waits. Right? When we think of a waiting room, we think of all of these things that are negative. And I'm here to tell you there are so many different kinds of waiting rooms. For the next several of weeks, we're going to talk about what waiting rooms are. Here's the thing. We're all in a waiting room of some sort. And the waiting room is simply the place where we are now. It's, and, and it's this place between where we are now and where we're headed. That's simply what a waiting room is. The place where we are now and where we are headed. In uh, our society we have this hurry-up-and-wait mentality, right? We go through the drive-thru, and it's like, why is that person in front of me ordering for the whole office? This is the drive-thru, five minutes or less, sir or ma'am, five minutes or less. What is the deal? And God forbid you see that bag go back into the window. You're like, oh, beep, beep. <laughs> really? Sometimes when when we're in traffic, you know, when we're trying to get to our destination, it's just those days where we seem to catch every red light. Somebody is mad at me. Why am I catching every red light? I've got somewhere to go. I'm sick of waiting. Your car can be a waiting room. Many of us don't like to go to the doctor because we know we're going to be waiting. Some of us are even bold enough and audacious enough to say, Doc, my appointment is for two. Do you really mean two or three? Because I know when I get there, I'm going to be waiting an hour. So do you really mean three? Or God forbid you're in the barbershop and the brother before you decides he wants to get a different hairstyle on the day that you are in a rush. We're always in some type of waiting room. My goal for this entire series is to change your whole mentality on what a waiting room is. When I think of a waiting room, my first thought was just like yours. It's a place that's boring. 
It's a place of, of impatience. It's a place where I just don't want to be. It's a place where I'm, I know I'm going to be sitting for a long time, bored out of my mind, frustrated, wasting my time. When the truth is, a green room is a waiting room. Locker rooms are waiting rooms. Lobbies are waiting rooms. And so when I think of a green room or a locker room or a lobby, it changes my whole perspective. See, when you're sitting in a green room, if you are an actor or an entertainer, let me tell you about a green room. A green room is a place where you sit, relax, prepare, focus, woosah in preparation for taking the stage for whatever you're getting ready to do. It's not a bad place. As a matter of fact, you're kind of grateful to have a place where you can chill out, focus, go over your lines, kind of go over your music, go over your set list, or whatever you're going to do. Pastors nowadays even have a green room. Hint, hint, hint. One more hint. Where they can just chill out. Get in front, get into the word, meditate on the word, go over what they're going to say and how they can say it, kind of spend some real time praying for everybody. The green room is a place of preparation. Locker rooms, how many athletes we have in here? Okay, let me fix that. How many former athletes we have in here? See, I knew once I fixed that, all the hands would go up. And before you took the field or the court or whatever your sport was, where did you first go? The locker room. And in the locker room, were you upset to be in the locker room? No. Because in the locker room, we're going to sit. Coach has got some instructions for us. He's going to pump us up. He's going to say something inspirational in the end. We, our hearts are going to be filled with so much anxiety. We're going to start bouncing. We're going to start pushing each other like, yeah, let's get out there and let's do it. We get charged. We get pumped up. We're getting ready. We have a spirit of expectancy when we're in that locker room. As soon as they say the doors are open and they hold that big banner, oh, we're running through full speed. Bam, we're going to bust through. And all of that energy started where? In the locker room. It didn't start when you got up in the morning and put your favorite jam on or when you were doing your push-ups and your sit-ups and stuff. It started in the locker room, the place called the waiting room, which was a place of preparation. We're going to change the way you think about waiting rooms, my brothers and my sisters. If you don't mind, let's jump right into this today. The waiting room is what we're going to talk about. And I want to share this quote with you by a very famous uh, evangelist by the name of George Miller. George Miller says this, the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. The beginning of true faith, he threw the word true in the second part of this, the beginning of true faith is the end of of anxiety. The beginning, the beginning, the beginning of anxiety. The moment you feel anxious, the moment you feel burdened, the moment you feel overextended, uh, that's when your faith fades. But the moment you put your faith before that, then the anxiety ends and perhaps never even starts or enters your heart or your spirit. The beginning of your anxiety is the end of your faith. And we're going to set that. That's going to be our whole setup for what we talk about today. Let me tell you about this man, George Miller, just so you can know why he's entitled and, and why this simple quote means so much. George Miller was a Christian evangelist. 
Some say he was born in Germany, but he lived and did most of his ministry in London. This man never, ever, 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 hear what I'm saying? He never did a fundraiser. He never asked anybody for money. But let me tell you what he did. He took care of, in his lifetime, over 10,000 orphans in his lifetime. Took care of over 10,000 orphans in his lifetime. That means he clothed them, fed them, educated them, housed them, and never asked anyone for money. Never, ever did a fundraiser. This man was married twice. In his first marriage, it was 39 years, and he outlived that wife. His second marriage, which happened just a year after the death of his first marriage, lasted 23 years. This man understands longevity and faith. To deal with two different women for double or triple decades at a time, he's a powerful man. He understood real faith and the power of prayer. Nothing against my sisters because I am outnumbered this morning. But nonetheless, he understood the power of prayer and faith, never asking for anything. Uh, estimates say that he raised over $7 million in a lifetime and never asked anything. Everyone would say this when they said this about him. He went to God first in prayer for everything. He was in a waiting room. See, first he had a vision. I want to take care of these orphans. Now, how am I going to do it? Well, God, you gave me the vision. That's what I'm going to ask for it. And that's what he did in his waiting room. Over these next several weeks, we're going to talk about and use different examples of people in the Bible and what they did while they were in their waiting rooms to encourage you. But today, I want to spend a lot of time on the essentials, on the essentials, four essentials I want to share with you of waiting, the four essentials of waiting. You ready? First one is you ought to wait quietly. Wait quietly. Now, let me fix that because oftentimes I talk to people and, and, and that's what they're doing. I'm just waiting on the Lord. I'm, I'm just waiting on the Lord. I'm, I'm just waiting. And my follow-up question is, well, what are you doing while you're waiting? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm hanging out here and I'm going over here and I'm having this person speaking to me and I'm listening to this and I'm reading this and I'm going to this conference and I'm going to that conference, but all the noise is not quiet. Wait quietly. Wait quietly. Let me tell you something about waiting quietly. Waiting quietly is a posture of preparation. Waiting quietly is waiting for response. If you, are, if you are covered and surrounded by noise and all of the distractions of the world, there's no place for you to hear from the audible voice of God. You can't hear from him if you're not sitting in a quiet place. It's a place of preparation to hear something. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, you all blessed my beautiful wife and I to uh, go for a 24-hour day retreat, if you will, uh, at Chateau Elan. And, uh, you know, the, when we got there that evening, we had dinner and such, and we were scheduled to have a massage early in the morning. And so we went to this, this wonderful, wonderful spa at Chateau Lawn. Thank you all once again. And so when we get there, they tell us, you know, men's locker room is here, women's locker room is there. You, you know, get undressed to where you're comfortable, and we have robes for you. And so we did that. We you know, she went to her locker room, I went to mine, and we undressed to where we were comfortable and put on our robe. And then we have to go into this other area. 
This is before we even get to the massage, which is supposed to be the relaxation part of it. They say, now go to this other area. And there's soft music playing in the background. And it's the, the lights are turned down low. And it's, it's daylight, but it's, it's dark enough where it's comfortable. And candles are lit, and then you can hear the trinkling of the water in the background. And they take us to this room called the quiet room. And you just sit there with your cucumber water and your robe quietly, getting yourself prepared to get even more relaxed. And I didn't understand it. I'm like, we just got up this morning. We ready to do this. But it made sense in the end. See, we, we knew we were going to have this massage. And so we're already anxious. We're excited. We're, we're ready to get, get, our, get touched by these professionals that's going to release the stress from our year and our weeks and all of this stuff. So we're anxious. But the idea of it, let us bring you down to a point where all of yesterday that may have happened and all of what's going to happen later is released from your mind. Let us get you to a place where you are so comfortable and relaxed that you can truly enjoy what the professionals are getting ready to do to you. Let us get you to a quiet place. And we're not going to play any music that would make you think of anything else. We're just going to play this, this soft whatever. I don't even think it was music. It was it may have been a harp. I don't know what it was. That's how deep it was. It was just soft. That's all I know. It was the sound was soft. The water was soft. The air was soft. Everything was soft. But it prepared us because when we got into the room, I barely could walk. After sitting there for 30 minutes silent with my cucumber water and my soft robe. The robe was soft. The slippers were soft. Everything was soft. The floor was soft. It was just soft. But I wouldn't have noticed that if I was just anxious, how beautiful and how, how everything came together in concert. And so finally we get into the, we have to walk to the room and I can barely walk because I'm just so relaxed. And they're like, come on, man. And they talk soft. Come on, Mr. Santiago and Mrs. Santiago. <laughs> and they escort us to the room. And so we go. They're like, here, you, you lay on this side and you lay on this side. I felt like I didn't, couldn't even talk. But that was part of the process to bring us all the way down to a point where we can come back up. And I was telling Tia, you know, for, for about a year, I've had this problem with my neck where I couldn't look all the way back like this. I mean, literally, I'd go about this far. I went this far, it was painful. And that woman, everything was soft, but her hands were strong. She had strong hands, like man hands. It was strong. <laughs> and she worked out some stuff. But I wouldn't have been able to receive that had I not got myself into a quiet place of preparation. Let me share this with you. Let me share this with you. Let me tell you what David, I love David, man. He, he really killed it when he wrote most of the Psalms. He said this, I wait quietly before God. For my victory comes from him. I'm going to jump right down to Psalm 62 and 3. That was 62.1. Here's 62.3. Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. Watch this. Waiting implies a listening ear and a heart responsive to the call of God. Waiting implies a listening ear. 
and a heart responsive to the call of God. In other words, as I sit, David is saying, I, I, I pray quietly and wait on the Lord. He's, he's expecting God to show up. How do I know that? Because this is the 62nd chapter of this book. We can go to the beginning and he show and we, we, and we find out how God has already answered several prayers for him. So he's saying, I'm going to do what I know best. I'm going to wait quietly expecting God to respond to me the same way he has in the past. I'm going to wait quietly. All that I am, not just my physical body, but every title that I own, king, son of God, whatever you want to call me, that rests with God. Everything that I am, all that I am, my whole being waits silently for God. Watch this. When he says all that I am, and he's talking about not only his physical body, but his authority, he's saying the government will shut down until I hear from God. All that I am shuts down and waits quietly for God to respond. Shut it down. Listen for God. When you're waiting, when you're in your, in your waiting room or your green room or your locker room, begin to call it whatever is, you know, best for you. As you're in this transition, I'm, you know, I want to try to go out differently. People are like, man, what's going on with you? Don't say I'm in a holding pattern. You know, don't say I'm in a, in, in a waiting room. Say, you know what, I'm in my locker room. See, I'm, I'm, I'm in a place where I'm between where I want to be and where I'm headed. Where I, where I, I mean, I'm, I'm right now, I'm in a spot where, where I was at and where I'm headed. So I'm in a place of preparation. I'm not in this waiting room. I'm not waiting. This is not dismal. It's not dark. It's not a negative place. This is a place of preparation where I can wait quietly, where I can wait quietly. The second thing I want to share with you all, my brothers and sisters, is wait patiently. Wait patiently. Here it is, uh, this great king, this great man of God, the man listed as a man after God's own heart. He says this in Psalms 27 and 14. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. What's the opposite of the word courageous or courage? Discourage. In other words, he's saying, be brave and don't be discouraged about your current situation. Can I share a, a story with y'all? Because I like telling my business and y'all like listening. So there was a time, my, huh? My wife and I got married September 27, uh, about 10 years ago, okay? And so we didn't immediately go on our honeymoon after our wedding. We took a little bit of time. We waited till December. We figured we'd open up the new year in a new place. Our honeymoon was to Curacao. This is a Dutch Antilles Island out there. You know, it's really pretty. It's one of the ABC islands, Aruba, Bonaire, and Curacao. So we decided to go out there. Now, to get there, we had to take Air Jamaica, okay? So we get on the plane here in Atlanta. We're on a tarp. We're, we're, we're excited. We have our itinerary set, what we're going to do, the first place we're going to go see. As soon as we get to the room, we're just going to put on our bathing suits, and that's all we're going to wear the entire time is a bathing suit. we pumped up. It's going to be a good time. Woo! And we get on the plane here in beautiful Atlanta, Hartsfield, Jackson Airport, and we're sitting on the tarmac, and we're ready to go. We were there. We're ready. And, and, and our flight is delayed. What? What do you mean it's delayed? How long? An hour. You don't have to get off the plane. All right, cool. That means we're going to get it going. Three hours later, we're still on the tarmac on the plane. The weather was perfect, by the way. Something's wrong with the plane. And I'm 
like, whoa, wait a minute. So then the flight attendant tells me, she says, uh, she comes and finds me. She looks at my seat, and she's like, oh, here they are right here. And I'm like, they're looking at me and my wife, like, here they are right here. What do we do? <laughs> we on a honeymoon. And so Erica looks, and I look, and I said, wait a minute, just chill. They might be bringing us a bottle of champagne. They know it's our honeymoon. They just know these things. And sure enough, the lady says, yes, um, you all going to Curacao, right? I says, yes, yeah, we're going to Curacao. Okay, bring out the champagne now. Come on with it. Don't tease me. She says, well, there's only one connecting flight from Montego Bay, Jamaica to Curacao, and at this point, you guys are going to miss it. Oh, don't tell me that. This is my honeymoon. Don't tell Erica that. See, I'm going to handle it. But my wife, oh, she immediately, I'm calling the president of the entire world about what y'all are doing on our honeymoon. So Erica gets on the phone. And literally, she called Air Jamaica, and they took care of us. They put us up in a resort once we got to Montego Bay, and, and, and then we stayed about a day and a half in Montego Bay. Then we went on to Curacao. Plus, they gave us a huge air flight discount so we can travel at another date. Watch this. I'm about to set y'all up. This is so funny. About being encouraged. I was discouraged. I was upset. I thought we were doing good with what Air, air uh, Jamaica was offering us. I thought that was a good deal. I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll do something special for my wife later on. So watch this. I'm sitting on the plane, and right across from us is a man and his wife. They're taking about their 100th trip to Jamaica. He's originally from Jamaica, and we're talking. And uh, he's an older gentleman, and we're talking about business and what he does for a living and what I do for a living. And, you know, it was a great conversation, what my wife does for a living, and it was good. And he tells me he's a developer. He does real estate development. And we talked all of this time while we're waiting to go on our destination to our vacations, to go to the island of love and all of this stuff. I'm having this conversation with this guy. Watch what happens five years later. After we meet, we exchange numbers, pleasantries and all this. Watch what happens while I'm waiting and not being discouraged, waiting patiently to go on my vacation. Five years later, licensed real estate agent, investor looking to buy real estate in Smyrna. A dentist friend of mine who I represented tells him about me. We meet. Hey, we met on the plane going to Jamaica. Oh, man, wow, cool, you are my realtor. Sold the guy at least seven houses in a span of two years. Look at God when you wait patiently and don't get discouraged. Not only, come on, y'all can clap about that. Not only did he bless us, and watch what happened. So the following year, right, because we had the discount, I end up taking my wife on another vacation, and we hung out at Ocho Rios. We got triple the blessing because we were not discouraged by what our current situation was. See, we were excited about the vacation, but God was like, wait, don't be discouraged. Be brave and courageous. I got something even better. I'm going to let you stay at another resort, all-inclusive, all you can eat for a day and a half. And then after that, I'm going to give you a discount ticket so you can take your wife next year. But I'm not done yet. I'm going to hook you up with somebody who's going to bless your pockets for the next five years. Amen. See what happens when you wait quietly on the Lord. And if y'all don't believe me, I got video to prove it. Video of even he and I having conversation on the plane. And I got other information about how we connected later on. This is real talk. God is a good God when you wait quietly and when you wait patiently. 
Watch this. This is what I love. David says, Psalms 40, 1 through 3, he says this. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. What happened? What happened? What happened, David? And he turned to me and heard my cry. Really? Tell me more, David. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the myrrh. He set my feet on solid ground. Watch this. He set him on solid ground. This is the part I dig, and it made me think about it. He says, he set my feet on solid ground. He steadied me as I walked along. Whoa, wait a minute. So what does that mean? He steadied me. He set me on solid ground. So when I walk, it should be easy for me to just walk straight because the ground is solid. There are no pitfalls. There are no holes. What do you mean he steadied me? In other words, whatever he was going through that may have had him a little woozy, whatever uh, trials or tribulations, whatever despair he was having that had him discouraged, God said whenever he was going to lean to the right, I got you, baby. Lean to the left, I got you, baby. This ground you on is solid. You don't need to waver. I got you. He set my feet on solid ground. He steadied me as I walked. Watch this. He did all of this. It was so beautiful that I created a new song. There was a new praise in my heart. In other words, this whole psalm, the book of Psalms written by David is a bunch of poems and songs. And because of what God did, it inspired David to add to the chapters to this wonderful book called the book of Psalms. And because he saved me, I'm going to write another song about what he did so that y'all can read it thousands and thousands of years later to see how he lifted me out of my muck and my myrrh, placed my feet on solid ground. Whenever I was leaning to the right, he picked me up, leaned to the left, he picked me up. When I tripped, he didn't let me fall. He helped me when I needed him most. I'll say amen all by myself. I will say amen all by myself. Lifted me out of the muck and myrrh. Because of it, I wrote a new song and sing praises unto him. And this is the amazing part. He says, he wrote this song, why? Because many will see what he has done. And check this out. And be amazed. Many will see what he has done, and because of that way, they will be amazed. The principal part of having this great faith is patience. If you say you are a person of great faith, then the principal part of your so-called great faith needs to be the big P word, patience. If you say you are a person of faith, the principal part of your faith is patience. In other words, that means you are going to wait on something in your life, and it's not going to be based upon your own timeline. The principal part of faith is patience. At times, our situations may seem dark and hopeless, but patient doesn't admit defeat. Patience does not throw up its hands in despair. Patient, it doesn't, be, doesn't, doesn't become discouraged or bitter. Rather, it helps us react properly to the challenges in life. Patience helps us react properly to the challenges in life. So the first thing we need to do while we wait is wait quietly. The second thing we need to do is wait patiently. Don't get, don't get discouraged, y'all. Here's another one. Wait expectantly. Woo, man, I tell you, when I did this uh, search and this research on expectantly, it blew my mind. Wait expectantly. The, the, the fifth chapter of this wonderful uh, work, of art, work of words called the book of Psalms, chapter 5, verse 3 says this, and this comes from David again. He says, listen to my voice in the morning, Lord, and each morning I bring my request to you and wait expectantly. I wait expectantly. 
Waiting expectantly is not demanding God's grace. Waiting expectantly is rather placing all hope in it. When I expect something, a lot of times I expect you to do for me. That's demanding God's grace. That's demanding it. Rather, it's placing, 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 it's, it's placing all hope in that grace. Let's talk about what hope is. If we look at uh, a, a dictionary version, Miriam, I'm going to share the Merriam-Webster version if you don't mind. The, the Merriam-Webster definition says this, the feeling of wanting, feeling, that's all caps and bold, the feeling of wanting something to happen, and here's the other one, thinking that it could happen. That's the Merriam-Webster uh, definition of the word hope. Thinking, watch this, and feeling, uh, thinking and feeling is the Merriam-Webster definition of the word hope. That is also the Western mindset of the word hope. I hope this happens. I hope I have enough money so that my ends can come close enough to see each other even if they don't meet. I hope that the right man comes along. I hope that the right woman comes along. I hope that this, and that's just wishing and that's not what biblical hope is. Can I share with you what biblical hope is? If y'all don't mind, I promise you, I'm only going to hold you a few more minutes here. The biblical word hope, we find in Old Testament Hebrew is yakal. Yakal. And if you are taking notes, that's in your notes. The Hebrew word yakal is hope. And it simply means translated trust. Every time you see that word uh, hope in Old Testament it translates to the word yakal, which is trust, meaning I will put all my trust in God. When you trust somebody, you, the hands, your hands are off of it. You just leave whatever that is to them. If you trust somebody with an assignment, if you are the boss at your company or in your, in, or in your area, or if you're a parent, when you trust your kids to do something, you're not going to micromanage them and check them. It's like, do what you're supposed to do. You expect them to do it. You trust them. Your hands are off of it. Trust, yakal. That's the Old Testament Hebrew word for it. Now, let's make it New Testament and give you all a little bit of Greek to couple and complement the, 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 the other word. The New Testament word, when we see the word hope, right, is a word called elpis or elpiso. Elpis or elpiso. That word translated means expect or anticipate with great pleasure. Expect or anticipate when great pleasure. So, in other words, when, when, when Paul says something like, I hope, I place all my hope, it's me. I'm anticipating with great pleasure the outcome because Scripture has shown me that God has never let us down. Scripture has shown me that, that, that he's never failed. The scripture has shown me that he's kept his promises. As a matter of fact, if we look in the book of Hebrews, Paul uses the example of Abraham, how God showed up in his life. He told him to do something. He had him waiting for 25 years before that prayer was answered, but he answered the prayer. That same type of hope that that would happen is this word, elpis, elpizo, knowing the expectation and being excited about it, understanding the, uh, waiting on it with great anticipation, excited about it, elpis, trust. And the final thing I want to share with you, because our time is short here, I want to go deeper with that, and we will. We're going to talk about Abraham in, 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 its, in his entirety. We're going to share his story about waiting. We're going to share the story of many others where they had to wait. But I want to, I want to get through some of this real fast. Ready? Next thing is, final thing, don't complain. 
Don't complain. Don't complain. Can I admit something to you all, Pastor Confession? Y'all are, we're doing the confessional right here. Y'all are taking my confession. I complain. I complain. I complain. I complained yesterday. God, you put all of this work into it. You had us do all of these wonderful things, and now you're going to make it rain. Yeah, I complain. God, you call me to be a pastor. You want me to lead a, a, a nation of people. You, you put this burden on me. God, where are the people? I complain. I complain. God, it's the end of the month, and we, 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 we man, it's not looking good in the account. Uh, uh, I'm complaining. Your pastor complains. I'm just as flawed as the next man. My title is pastor, but I'm human at the end of the day. I'm not perfect. And as I shared with y'all before, I'm a practicing Christian. That means that I'm working toward perfection. I'm a practicing Christian. I'm working toward it. I don't got it all together. I complain. I said that only so that y'all can be at ease because some of y'all complained just this morning. Some of y'all complained about 10 minutes ago when y'all got there and realized all the food was gone and you showed up. Okay. Hallelujah. Let me tell you what happens when we complain while we wait. Can I share something with y'all? I like Old Testament stuff sometimes, but I feel I don't give y'all enough. There's a story in the book of Numbers about this great group of people, right? Y'all know, some of y'all might know this story. So if I, just, just, just bear with me if you know it. There's this, this, this story of these people, right? God gave instructions to a great man named Moses, and he had his assistants, Aaron. And, 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 and so watch this. He's telling them, he, he rescues them out of Egypt. He performed a miracle. He's like, I'm going to part the Red Sea so y'all can walk. He parts the dog on Red Sea. Can y'all imagine walking and y'all trusting Moses? Like, listen, follow me. God said he's going to get us to the promised land. We're going to have to go through some stuff, but just, just trust me. Walk with me. How are we going to get there? Are you going to rescue us from the Egyptians? Yeah, yeah, God's going to rescue us. And God's performing all of these great miracles. He he totally destroys Pharaoh and his army. I mean, he just rips him apart. Then the, the, the army's like right behind him, and they get to the Red Sea. They're like, oh, man, they got us now, Holmes. And God is like, stick your staff in the ocean. He sticks it there, and the, and the sea goes part. And so they're going through. And while they're going through, the Egyptians are still tailing them in the sea. That's split. They're like, oh, we're not going to make it. They're still following us. God's like, no worries. Just get to the other side and watch what I do. Egyptians, uh, they get to the other, the, the, the chosen people get to the other side, and all of a sudden, the ocean closes, the sea closes back up and kills all of them. One swift swoop. These people are witnesses to this, right? Dig this. You hear what I'm saying? The people, the chosen people, they're witnesses to this. They follow Moses. They're witnesses to how God has brought them through. And what do they do? They begin to doubt. They doubted so bad, they were getting ready to start a rebellion against the man. Let's take him out of office. Let's kill him and Aaron and the other dude. Let's get him out because they're going to lead us into some death and stuff. After they witnessed what he already did, after they were right there, they were the witnesses to what just happened, and they're like, we ain't going to make it. He wants us to go to this promised land. There are giants there. There's a, a, a fortified, there are fortified cities there. There are other armies we got to fight when we get there. We have, listen, I know he did that, but he may not do it over there. And God is like, yo, this is what he says. You know what? Because every time they complain, 
Moses goes to God in prayer. It's how powerful it was. Numbers 14, 27 through 28. Y'all got to read the whole story, though. It's really good. It's, it's deep. I'm just giving y'all a synopsis, you know, a brief version. Watch this. How long, this is God speaking, how long must I put up with this wicked community and its complaints about me? After I done parted the sea, I've rescued their behind from Pharaoh who had them enslaved, right? I've done all of these great miracles. They've been witnesses, eyewitnesses to what I've done. How long do I got to deal with their foolishness? Yes, I have heard their complaints the Israelites are making against me. Now tell them this, Moses, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. Let me tell you what happened right before this. Y'all, y'all remember what I just told y'all how he wiped the Egyptians out? Y'all, God was notorious for just wiping people out back in the day. He would start all over. I mean, he wiped out families that he blessed and started all over. He's notorious for that. And he was getting ready to do that to these Israelites. He's getting ready to wipe them out. But Moses was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Don't pull the plug just yet. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait. Please, 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 please. Uh-oh. Listen, don't, don't do that. Because if you do that, they're going to think that you are a different kind of God. You are not a God of mercy. You are not a God of grace. Don't, 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 don't do that. And God's like, okay, cool. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep my promise because I don't want to be a God that doesn't keep his promises. I said I'm going to take them to the promised land, and that's what I'm going to do. Guess what he did? He led them to the edge of the promised land, right? Anybody 20 and over, the complainers, y'all not going to go in. Y'all don't get to pass. Don't pass. Go and collect $200. You stop it. Go. That's it. No get out of jail free card. You can come. You can see it. You can smile. You can say, whoa, I could be over there. Look at them. They're having a good time. Everything. Woo. You could be doing the, the wobble over there with them. But no, you want to complain, come right here and see what's over there. And watch how graceful and mercy God is. Watch this. Woo, this is good. Watch this. When he could have wiped them out, he says, I'm going to let y'all live. For 40 years, let y'all die there. When I could just wipe you out and kill you right now, I can do it. Y'all seen me do it. Read the books. Y'all saw what I just did with Pharaoh and them. I can do it. But I'm graceful enough to let y'all live off of this little portion of desert right here on the end, right here on the end of the promised land until y'all die. But this how great. See, that's the part that, that everybody's like, okay, I get that. This is the best part, right? The complainers, their generations were blessed, though. The complainers died, but their seeds were still able to go over to the promised land and be blessed. What a graceful and mighty and wonderful God we serve when we know historically he's wiped out generations of generations on generations of people. He killed off the complainers, but let their seeds enjoy the promised land that he promised them. What a mighty God we serve. So they go over there and he says, watch this. They wandered in that area for 40 years. They ate off of whatever the muck was in the land. Let me make this personal for you. Watch this. Some of y'all have been in that same wilderness for about 20, 30, 15, 10, 5 years. Why? Because somewhere in there you complained. Somewhere in there you bit your tongue, you bit your lip. God, like, God, come on. Huh? Every, every bad business decision you've made, you, 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 you blaming God. Now, where did you mess up? Was it your time to start said business? Every bad job opportunity and every issue you had with a, a, a significant other, you blaming God. It's like, 
Did you jump the gun? Were you complaining the whole time? Where do you fit in the equation? Because I'm sure that God has blessed it. But some of us be, might be right now in this very instant in a wilderness because somewhere in there we complain. And what's what happens when you complain? When you complain, your faith withers. And what happens? Your natural instinct to use your own skill set, to use your own ability to function in life on your own steps in and you try to play God. God, you know what? Time has taken too long. I'm going to try to do this on my own. And guess what happens when we do that? The problem we started with is worse. What we started with is worse. What we went to God in prayer for, right, is worse now. Why? Because we try to do it on our own and play God. We put on our little God hat. We thought we were all righteous, and we try to do it on our own and failed miserably. Don't complain. God is trying to do something for you and in you. I had to check myself as I complained yesterday and realized, you know what? It's not all bad. God, thank you for the rain. I just realized that we had went three weeks without a solid rain before yesterday. Wow, thank you for the rain. There was a reason why it rained yesterday and caused us to shift what we needed to do. Guess what? Still blessed it. People showed up and were blessed. Kids were blessed. Everybody was blessed. It was still beautiful. And I immediately repented. That's the other part I want to share with you. You're human. You're going to go, you're going to complain. It's natural. Repent. 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 God, forgive me. I'm sorry. I did not mean, I, I, I don't know what I got beside myself. God, you know, as long as I'm here on this side of earth, I'm going to make mistakes. You know this better than I do. But God, I repent. I'm sorry. I won't do it again. I promise I'll work my best to be a practicing Christian. I mean, I'm going to work toward the perfection that honors you best. I'm going to be working toward it. Amen. Amen. Final thought, and then we're gone. Final thought right here. So the four things is, wait, uh, I'm going to go backwards on it. Well, no, we won't. Wait quietly. Wait patiently, wait expectantly, and don't complain. Watch this. Watch this. Why do we jump the gun? I'm going to tell you why we jump the gun when we should be still waiting. Because we can see what outside of our current situation looks like. In other words, if I'm in the muck, I can see what outside of the muck looks like, and I see me in that. If, if, if we're in a crisis, I can see what outside of this crisis looks like, so I'm anxious to get over to it. I'm anxious to get that vision that I see of myself outside of my current situation. If I'm single and without kids or, or something like that, I can see me mommy. I can see me daddy. I can see hubby picking up the kids from daycare. I can see a happy marriage. I can, I can see some joy in my life. I can see a new home. I can see a new career. I can see that. And because I can see it, I get anxious. And when it don't happen according to my own timeline, I jump out of it. See, what happens is we need to shift our time zone. We need to get out of EST. We need to get out of uh, Central Mountain Time. We need to get out of Pacific, uh, Pacific uh, Standard Time. We need to get on God's Standard Time. See, he's always on time. Whether it happens today, tomorrow, 25 years from now, he blessed people when they were old. He blessed the old woman to have a baby when she should not have had it. She was old. Y'all know who I'm talking about. And if he could do those things for them there, it still is available to you. The difference is they didn't complain as much as we do now in our hurry-up-and-wait society. Listen here. 
the vision is for a future time. And watch this. And it will be fulfilled, even if it seems slow in coming. Wait patiently, for it surely will take place. Whatever it is that God has placed in your heart is not delayed. The waiting room is not a delayed dream. It's not a dismal place. It's a place of preparation. It's a place of focus. It's a place to get you ready for what God is going to do for you if you wait. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others, our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.